the other fourth thing I'm going to talk about is baby led breastfeeding. And this is really important because it's allowing baby to be actively participating in the breastfeeding experience. And we sometimes, you know, we think, oh, they're little babies and they can't do anything. But when we give them a chance, they can do, they can do a lot. You know, they were born with these beautiful reflexes and instincts. And when we think of them like a little puppy or, you know, like when they're born and puppies are born with their eyes shut. So, you know, they manage to be born and crawl their way to their mother's chest, to their abdomen, and they feed all on their own. Welcome to the Pollination Mamas podcast. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land where I live, the Biripai people, and all other First Nations people within Australia. I aim to bring you collaborative conversations, cross-pollinating as we span our wings, connecting the threads of ancestral wisdom in a modern context so that we can live a nurtured life. I believe ancestral wisdom provides a roadmap to a regenerative culture, contributing to thriving communities, healing and health. The gorgeous little song that you heard in the intro and the outro is called The Littlest Birds. It was performed by the Oluca Family Band from the Olive Gap Farm. It was originally performed by the Be Good Tanyas and generously sponsored by the Olive Gap Farm, which is a certified organic family farm specialising in small batch native essential oils and seasonal cut flowers. I highly recommend checking out their tea tree oil online. They are located on Bundjalung country in the northern rivers of New South Wales, Australia and draw on inspiration from various sustainable farming practices to create a high quality product that's equally nourishing to us and the earth. You can check out links to their website and social media in the show notes. Welcome to another Pollination Mamas podcast. I've got a localish guest. I always get a bit more a bit excited. Something different about meeting someone who's not only a couple of hours away. Um, feels like we're expanding our local community resource and village. So I've got Emma May here. Mayher? Mayher? Um, here from Empowered Lactation. Um, an international board certified lactation consultant. It's always a bit of a mouthful. IBCLC, <laughs> we'll say lactation consultant, and we'll explain what all that means. And Emma has a background in midwifery, nursing, and child and family health, and has a great social media um, page on Instagram that I've been following, and that's how I came across Emma. And she has just this really fun, down to earth, grounded, but really informative way of sharing information. And when I came across her, I was like, oh, I love this. Oh, she's local and sent Emma a message pretty quickly after that. And she was very generous with the time and here she is now. So welcome, Emma. Thanks for making the time to be here today. Thanks so much, Shelley. It's really exciting to be here and to be expanding and, you know, getting people to have different conversations about breastfeeding too in different areas. So it's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's got a local aspect, but... The great thing about podcasts is anyone can listen all over the world and 
um, it's always interesting looking at who's listening, where they're from. It's like, you know, mostly Australia, then the US and then all these other countries in Europe and through Asia and all over the place. So that's always fun. And I've loved podcasts as a mum to be able to access that information in the moments of the humdrum, <laughs> driving or doing the dishes. So um, I'll hand over to you now. I'd love to just hear a bit more about who you are and how you came to become a lactation consultant and um yeah sure my story a little bit sure um I um I guess it all kind of started when I you know was going through school and deciding you know there's big heavy decisions on your shoulders trying to think what do you do with your life um and I made that decision to jump into nursing because I really felt that I wanted to be helping people um and I found that I could be useful in that um, and I suppose that's what you want to do, don't you? You want to feel useful in what you want to be, you get up to um, and appreciated and valued. And so I did that. But during the, my nursing um, degree, I really developed a heart for midwifery and I was really wanted to do it. Um, but I decided to go and do some general nursing first because I felt that was important just to build skills up as well. Um, and there was a lot that I learned during that period. But I, you know, I never gave up on my midwifery dream and I just kept pursuing that and it took a few goes to get accepted because there's not always you know open positions everywhere and I guess I just maybe not my stubborn nature but my determined nature in me never gave up on that so I did that and um I really enjoyed midwifery loved it love it still love it um I love working with women and being alongside them in that you know that transition period of their life that's really like you know, it's not just nine months of pregnancy, it's, you know, the years afterwards as well. It's such a bigger picture. Um, And it's just really such a special and honour to be a part of that. Um, And during my midwifery, then we moved and we did a bit of relocation across the country and spent some time in Moree. And I did my child and family health nursing up there um, and worked within the Aboriginal community, which was just really, um, yeah, really fun, to be honest. And like everything has its challenges and working in different areas and you know, me adjusting and just being homesick, um, you know, moving away. But um, again, it was just so much fun working alongside families, you know, and supporting them. And we're not there to dictate to people and to say, this is what you should do. It's finding a way that works for your family as well and recognising that and recognising strengths. Um, And then I guess through having my own babies, I just started to have another fire burn in me to to be a lactation consultant. and again, I thought it was going to be a 10 year plan. I thought that'd be really cool to do this. You know, that would just complete the picture um, for me. And I'll, I'll just, you know, keep working towards it and have it there to do later on when the kids are all grown up. But it didn't quite happen like that. And it happened in about three years. <laughs> so much quicker. Um, and I actually started studying for that, you know, while I was pregnant with my second baby, they're doing the whole juggling study work you know how we do life isn't it it's really busy um and yeah I just kind of it all kind of not fell into my lap but the ball just kept rolling and and so I went with it and here I am and yeah it's really exciting and I love it I love that I get to do this it's such a privilege it's wonderful yeah yeah I can tell that you're um passionate when you talk about it I think it's wonderful that you just kept going and three years is quite impressive with children because as we might go into a little bit but becoming an international board certified lactation consultant is a bit of a long haul like it it's you know it 
needs to be taken seriously and you need to really understand the depth and scope. So yeah, it's not well just some, yeah, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're always learning, always growing. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it never stops, which is just amazing and um, such a wonderful thing to keep being grateful for life that we can keep learning. And yeah. um, so that might be a good segue actually into what an international board certified lactation consultant is, um, what a lactation consultant scope is, and why it would be important to know where and how to find your local lactation consultant, just in case um, you need a bit of extra support with breastfeeding. Because, yeah, as we said in the pre-chat, a lot of people still don't know that there's lactation yeah. consultants, usually within your region, even if they're not in your town, there's usually someone local-ish um, yeah. to access. And they're such a wonderful resource, especially in those early weeks and days. Yeah, it's, um, it is definitely a specialty, you know, it's a specialty in breastfeeding in lactation in feeding infants and, you know, from that newborn period all the way to through toddlerhood and further, you know, like it's such a big chapter to cover, um, that's broken down into all these little bits along the way. Um, the, so IBCLC, so that's the short way to say International Board Certified Lactation Consultant because it is a mouthful, um, or people just say an LC for a lactation consultant. Um, and, you know, people still don't know we exist. You know, like I've had mums say, I wish I knew, you know, you were around 10, 15 years ago, I would have sought out support. So it's nice to actually say, yes, we're here. And there's, it's growing. There's more and more of us out here, which is just beautiful to work as a team to support women. And really, like I said, it is a specialty in, in, you know, human lactation in feeding, but it's really there to protect, promote and support breastfeeding. Um, and when we do all those three together, you know, like that's what everyone wants, isn't it? Do you know, like, and support, you know, it's last on the list, but so important. And that's what we do. That's the heart of it is we're working alongside families, um, identifying, you know, challenges with them and, you know, coming up with a plan that works with them to overcome them. Um, and it looks different every time as well. So becoming a lactation consultant is a bit of a journey too. Um, you have to do a certain amount of hours, 90 hours in breastfeeding education, like as a study hours of, you know, education. And then for me with, it's different for everyone, but uh, with a background of nursing and midwifery, I had to prove that I had five sorry, 1,000 hours of actual breastfeeding support that I've provided to families over the last 50, five years. So 1,000 hours in five years with some education and then on top of that, an international exam. <laughs> it's a process. Um, and that's why it took three years <laughs> to kind of get that all happening. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it, it's definitely achievable and it looks a bit different because there's lots of people who come from different backgrounds even um, still within that allied health kind of field who maybe not from midwifery but still want to jump in and support women. So um, that's exciting. And then for us to keep working, it's not just a one exam for the rest of our careers. Um, we have to then recertify every five years by either an exam or proving, again, that we're keeping up education. So it's ongoing and we're always learning and keeping up to date with evidence and research as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good explanation i think it's 95 hours now i was looking recently um, i've had an extra five yeah <laughs> 90 that's nothing yeah <laughs> a day or two um awesome so then 
I guess I'd love to jump into the magic of breastfeeding. So trying to balance this topic of why it's so, I mean, we've kind of briefly touched on this in our messages that we're both super passionate and love breastfeeding. That's why like you're doing this work and that's why I really want to have more conversations about this, but there are a lot of challenges. So I feel like we need to balance that with talking to people about why it's so amazing, why it's amazing for mum, baby, family, generations like long-term um health and then being you know mindful also that it's not right for everyone it could be right for most people i believe with the right support um and then what are the common challenges that often get in the way that people yeah so broad but the common please that's a big topic (laughs) to cover Just jump in there. Um, oh, where to start? Okay. <laughs> yeah, look, everyone talks about, you know, breastfeeding is best and breastfeeding is natural, but it doesn't come naturally. It's still a learnt skill. It's still, and like, it's not just, we don't even practice it. Like, you have no opportunities to practice until your baby's here. And then you have a baby who has their own, their own personality, their own self, their own, you know, not limitations, but every baby's different in itself too. So it's not like one size fits all because we're all different and we celebrate that. Um, I, we don't want to put everyone in the same box and either. So we don't get to practice until we have a baby, which I guess is the beauty of it that we do get to practice frequently because when your baby arrives, they want to breastfeed frequently and that's normal. And I try to turn it into a positive way to think about that too you know, cause it gets a bit like, Oh, okay. We're feeding again. We're feeding <laughs> and that's okay. Um, but it's definitely, you know, it does take some time to master that skill as does anything new. Um, and I think as adults, so we, we struggle with that because we actually, you know, when we're kids and growing up and I look at my children now who are three and five, they're always learning new things always in the yard, just using their body differently, you know? Um, but as adults, we don't, we don't do that. We don't, I tend to push ourselves and try new things. Um, and so we've almost forgotten the art of, you know, just being determined and keep trying sometimes and overcoming like, Oh, I fell off and hurt my ankle. Okay. Well, I'll get back up in half an hour and try again. Does that make sense? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. It's, and I think it comes as a bit of a shock because we don't hear this. Like the first time I heard it's a learnt skill. I was like, Oh my goodness. Like, because what's portrayed is that where it's just like, I don't know, out in the wild and out comes a baby and we <laughs> pop it on. And, and, you know, that does happen for some people. <laughs> but it, for most, it's just, it's something that takes time and, and coming from the mindset that it's a learnt skill. So you're thinking, okay, well, what can I do a bit differently? This worked or that didn't work. Not just, mm. oh, it's not working. I'm a failure. I can't do this. There's something wrong with me more to like, I just have to keep yeah. trying new things and I have to get new skills and I might have to learn from other people as well as my own. I have to look at baby. What's the baby telling me? That sort of thing. Totally makes yeah. sense. Yeah. so many, so many facets, so many octopus tentacle arms going off in different directions and so many things to consider, which sometimes, you know, that's why it's so overwhelming and you're sleep deprived, you know, like, just that whole postpartum experience, it's like living in night duty land, do you know? Like, 
and you don't get a catch-up sleep the next day. It's just pushing on. And so already you're in a vulnerable stage where you're tired and you're exhausted and relationships are stressed and different because especially with your first baby, it's, you know, it's exciting, but it's such a different combination to the family when there's suddenly not two anymore. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of that, support is a huge factor as well. So not just seeking out support from someone like a lactation consultant, you know, which is really important. And I encourage anyone to reach out early. You know, we don't have to think that we've got to tough it out and keep going and struggle at home. But this is we're here because we love you guys and we want to support you. Um, but support from family is a real, really important one, too. We don't live in communities and tribes like we used to we don't see other babies breastfeeding like we used to um, unless you're from a family where there's been a bit of an age gap or something, you know, and so you're old enough to remember mum breastfeeding a younger sibling. And so our exposure is different and what the society portrays as breastfeeding is, is not what it's all about usually. Yeah, absolutely. You might've heard the story where um, it was somewhere, I want to say Canada, but I'm not sure. It wasn't Australia. There was a zoo and one of the larger primates, like a gorilla or eight, was having trouble breastfeeding. She had a baby. Um, and so what they did is they brought in a bunch of women from the Leche League, which is like um, ABA, Australian Breastfeeding Association overseas, you know, but for people listening. And they all sat there breastfeeding their babies in front of the enclosure. And so this wow. mum came over with the baby and started watching and then popped the baby on and started breastfeeding. So even in that situation, that domesticated situation, um, an animal that we would obviously think, oh, they'll just have the instincts. Well, no, it's still a learnt skill. And I think there's a big, that's a huge aspect of what we're seeing now is less people breastfeeding in public, in our families, in our close um, networks as well. And the support's such Absolutely. a huge one. Like you said, like birth recovery, you're hungry, you're tired, you're probably sore. And yeah you could be a little bit traumatized or, or very traumatized. There's trauma that could be mm. there too. And then to have to take on this whole new role. I just think we, it's not, um, we just, we, the conversations are only really starting to come to the fore a little bit. So it can be quite a shock for people. So what are some of the common challenges that you see? Mm. The most common ones have got to do with definitely with the latch, you know, like, and so if baby's not, you know, it's called breastfeeding and not nipple feeding for a reason. So they're not meant to just be on the end of the nipple. They have to be on the breast, which includes the areola, which is that darkened pigment area, area around your nipple. Um, and that's, and so if they're not latched on well, or if, you know, their suckers maybe not as working as effectively either, then it's going to, cause pain and that's you know nipple damage is real and it's not i'm not saying it's normal but it's definitely common and so that's got to be the number one you know kind of factor out there for challenges is pain and obviously why would you want to do something if you were in pain it's human nature to avoid that and i guess it's almost just like labor isn't it you know like we, we don't want to be in pain <laughs> um it's pushing through that so pain is one other complications such as um, a blocked duct or a mastitis, um, they don't happen all the time, but they're definitely up there in common challenges experienced. Um, and then even, you know, I do a lot of work just supporting women with the whole adapting to a lifestyle with the baby and feeding. So 
sleep, looking after your body, nourishing your body. Um, you know, it's such a, again, a big, big aspect and so much comes into that and changing, you know, having open expectations of what is normal newborn sleep like and trying to just, you know, support you guys gently without the whole pressure of having routines and ticking boxes and doing what everybody else does out there, but doing what works best for your family. Um, yeah, there's a lot of other work that goes on as well, supporting breastfeeding because, and even, you know, with such a huge amount of, you know, women feeling depressed and anxious, which is such a real thing, but it can have such a strong effect on breastfeeding too. So supporting you and your mental health during this challenging time is such a big um, aspect of what we do as well. Um, just because it is demanding on our bodies. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's such an important um, point that you mentioned about support and nourishment and what that is as a whole. So eating well, as well as possible, which is, can sound a bit loaded if yep. you're sitting at home on your own. So that's where the support's needed and some preparation and, and looking at what some easy things to um, be able to try and support yourself while drinking water, all of those things. But um, the support just as far as, and the mental health, when you mentioned that it is so common because often women are left at home alone <laughs> and you're left alone yep. and automatically like you're already in this heightened vulnerable state this huge new hormonal, physical, emotional, grand identity shift happening. Um, and when you start looking at those hormonal interplays with oxytocin and all that sort of thing, which is getting a bit technical, but it, when you look at like the traditional, I do a lot of work, we're looking at the traditional support networks that were given during the fourth trimester and pretty much like you don't need to go, you can find why in a modern scientific way but it's irrelevant because all it was doing was supporting the mum to be able to heal and to feel safe really a lot about feeling safe and supported and when there's that safety and and safety not as in there's a direct immediate threat like a tiger Mm. or a hurricane or a war Um, although some people are surviving in those situations but it's more kind of subtle than that isn't it it's like i'm held i'm safe my food is there. My water is there. I'm not alone. It's yeah. okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, and that, like you said, it's really hormonal, although it is a bit sciencey. We have a cocktail of hormones all the time and that changes hugely through pregnancy and, and breastfeeding. And we can't ignore that. And, and stress too hugely influences, you know, breastfeeding or any, any of that, even just that transition into being a parent, you know, like it's stressful. Um, and, and so we have to find ways to kind of manage that in a way where we can have other strategies to cope, to reduce that stress. And although sometimes it sounds a bit wishy-washy when we go on about reducing stress, oh, everyone talks about it. It's really important. Like it's so underestimated, I think still, as in the effect that stress can have on our bodies. Um, And so self-care is a huge one, do you know, like to prioritizing yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And differentiating between momentary stress that then sort of elevates and decreases to like this long-term perpetual stress, which has like a conflicting relationship with the hormones that you need. So it's like, you can't have both. You can't have 
chronic ongoing stress and also be able to function optimally to breastfeed at the same time. It's just, yeah, it's really hard to find that balance there. I mean, people do it, but it's going to be a much more challenging. I find it's interesting actually that when you talked about the common, and I know you probably definitely didn't cover all of them, but you're... No, I was going to say, I can mention more. (laughs) (laughs) Your common ones. Um, So there were latch they were pain, which I experienced for two weeks. I was like, oh, my goodness, no wonder people give up. Luckily for me, it did kind of, um, it did sort of dissipate and I didn't know about lactation consultants at that time in my first. And what was the other one? So there was latch or mastitis. Pain, uh, block, mastitis and block ducts, yeah. I also experienced. So what I really noticed in that is that your first three didn't involve lack of supply. <laughs> yes. Sort of, um, you know, a lot of women, I still hear it say, I just, my supply wasn't good. Um, so I'd love to, I know we can't go into all the yeah. details. If anyone listening, Emma runs wonderful workshops and has great info out there too. But can we break down a little bit of the myth around supply? Yeah, it's really, most of the time, I think it is that perception that there's like low supply and I'm not saying it all at all, you know, that women have experienced low supply because it happens, you know, and when we look at the whole experience, those two, when we look at a stressful or traumatic birth and pain and not getting skin to skin or baby not being able to latch on. And so we combine all of these together and they have such a cumulative effect. And so genuinely, and even medical, there's medical reasons that can genuinely affect your supply. So definitely that's the case. But a lot of the time we have this perception that we don't have enough milk. I think a lot of it comes from us wanting to control everything um, and we can't see how much our baby is getting. And then when we're, when they're unsettled, we think, oh no, they're not getting enough. But again, we need to look at the bigger picture. Like it's normal for them to have unsettled periods, you know, and so breaking it down, are they, you know, doing lots of wet nappies, lots of pooey nappies. Are they, you know, settled after a feed most of the time and then having some happy alert times as well. Are they having that restorative sleep in between as well for that growth? And then are they gaining weight? And so looking at the bigger picture, but a lot of it is then, and then so we, we feel stressed that we don't have enough milk and then that stress is going to influence actually, you know, that ability to even breastfeed it, but then enjoy breastfeeding. It doesn't become enjoyable because then often mums are so worried about, is my baby getting enough milk? And so that in itself, and then when you're developing a relationship with your baby and trying to develop a bond together, that's a huge influence as well. So that's what I mean. There's so many layers to breastfeeding. It's just, it's mind boggling, but you know, there are definitely ways if, if women are genuinely have supply concerns, there are lots of things we can do to support that too. So it doesn't have to be the end of the line option going, okay, that's it. Do you know, make sure you get support. Yeah. But mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people, you know, and we can't be there for everybody, you know, and generations before us, a lot of grandmas I hear say, oh, I never had enough milk. And I kind of go, I wish I was there to support you then because they did things differently, you know. Um, There was different recommendations where they would say, only breastfeed for 10 minutes and that's it, you know, then put your baby down. And of course, that is nowhere, no, no wonder they didn't have milk because that breast stimulation wasn't adequate enough. They weren't, you know, they weren't encouraged to pick up their babies and hold them. They were like, no, they go in the cot. And so it's kind of going against everything that those instincts in your body are saying to do as well. Mm, yeah. yeah, absolutely. 
yeah and I and even with that support you know that having that positive family support is such a big influencer on breastfeeding and if you haven't you know for for women who come from families that maybe they're the first one to really give breastfeeding a go that's a huge pressure on your shoulders and so it takes really that determination to stand up kind of against family pressure even and say no this is really important to me and my baby I'd really appreciate it if you could support me with this because there's a lot of women out there really literally alone doing something new and we all know what that that feels you know awkward and hard and difficult and overwhelming um yeah yeah absolutely I'm glad you touched on the intergenerational aspect because yeah we're now a few generations into um some families that yeah did struggle to breastfeed for different reasons and mostly lack of support and education um sometimes it was choice but yeah so then that can be hard if you're coming from that place where there's just like oh don't worry about it. just get the bottle it's easier um i personally would not and then then that's coming back to the unique um aspect of the family and the mother and the baby for me bottles would have been so much harder so there was like this determination of like i don't want to have to clean bottles (laughs) (laughs) always having formula there (laughs) so for me that felt harder for me but for other people it might be that they need that sleep or they yeah all the different reasons that it happens um you've touched on a little bit about the key elements for optimizing breastfeeding. So if you had three, would it (laughs) support sounds like it would be at the top, but what would be your top three for optimizing breastfeeding? Oh, that's really hard (laughs) to pick three. That's an ask. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) So yeah. Top three for optimizing breastfeeding. Okay. Um, definitely skin to skin so skin to skin and just being with your baby so that means removing the pressure of doing other housework and just being with your baby expecting that they are to be on your chest a lot of the time and that's important not only just for breastfeeding but again strengthening that bond and even you know for other for alternative feeding methods methods even if you're bottle feeding skin to skin is really important too but skin to skin definitely because it's going to help with those hormones um and support breastfeeding hugely to get baby getting to know your body um as well and creating a safe trusting relationship between you and your baby as well Mm. that would be one i think it gets thrown out it kind of gets thrown out um you know, let's say, I don't know, not with a bath water, but <laughs> it gets thrown out. Say you have your baby and then you have a shower. Oh, you had your breastfeed in hospital and then you have a shower. It gets thrown out with all that dirty shower water <laughs> and forgotten about. Um, and we don't do skin to skin again. Like we can, off, you know, often. So I think we definitely need to put a lot of focus back on just being with your baby. And that's all that matters really. Um, yeah, it's okay to sit on the lounge and have a big, bum print in the lounge where you've been sitting for the last five weeks (laughs) (laughs) because it really was early in that early fourth trimester it's a full-time job i say that yeah and i then i go no i mean literally like it could take as many hours as a job yeah if you you had a full-time career you're looking at something equivalent (laughs) almost um in time and energy it's huge yeah it's huge. Yeah. So that would be one. The other one would be um, getting that latch rat. So that optimal latch, because if you have 
baby latching to the breast, giving that right breast, breast stimulation, those right hormones doing the work there. They're draining the breast efficiently and effectively. Keep in mind it's never going to be empty, but they can then get what they need. There's that milk transfer between the breast and the baby. It's going to reduce the pain. It's going to reduce any complication risk. And then they're going to feed well too. And so it's such such an important one um, to get to get that right. And we often, I often see mums who, you know, go, oh, but the baby's on and they're too afraid to then take them off, even though they're in pain or they're stuck in some uncomfortable position. And, uh, and we're like, oh, honey, we breastfeed so often. Let's be comfortable while we're doing it too. You know, let's not be stuck in some skew of position where your shoulders up to your ear and you're relying on 15 pillows. Mm. So, but getting the latch right, very important. Mm. Oh, third one. I'm trying to think of a third one and toss up. Which one would it be? <laughs> Give us four. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, because I'm trying not to include support because support just goes in there anyway. Yeah. Um, Support's a given. Support's sort of like, yeah. it's sort of like. Just the, this overarching. That whole, yeah, the overarchingness that is needed to be able to. Yeah. We'll, like, we'll optimise. Yeah. I, you know what, I would say kind of two things. So keep it simple. So let's not make it complicated. Yeah. We kind of, there's enough complicated in our world and our lives at the moment. And yes, breastfeeding, like I said, it's natural, but it's not, doesn't come naturally. It still doesn't need to be complicated. And so often we make things unachievable because of how thing, you know, the routine goes or it's just not going to happen. And the pressure on ourselves is huge. Um, and, and, and that is it, you know, as mums, we ha- it's not society's pressure, it's the pressure that we put on ourselves to do things, you know, a certain way. But, yeah, keep it simple. Um, and if that means, you know, almost writing a list of what you have to kind of do practically and culling half of what's on that list, then that's okay to do that as well. Um, and so with breastfeeding, the other fourth thing I'm going to talk about is baby-led breastfeeding. And... This is really important because it's allowing baby to be actively participating in the breastfeeding experience. And we sometimes, you know, we think, oh, they're little babies and they can't do anything. But when we give them a chance, they can do, they can do a lot. You know, they were born with these beautiful reflexes and instincts. And when we think of them like a little puppy or, you know, like when they're born and puppies are born with their eyes shut. So, you know, they manage to be born and crawl their way to their mother's chest, to their abdomen, and they feed all on their own. And so I'm not saying that happens every time for newborn babies, but they definitely have these reflexes working, these instincts there to feed, it's survival for them. And so when we allow them to actually work with us, instead of trying to tuck their hands out of the way or be in total control of their bodies, you know, it actually gives them a chance to get to know what your body's like and gives them a chance to to feed how they want to without being always, you know, pushed on at certain times. And look, there are times where babies need support and I definitely recognise that as well. But a lot of the time, we that going back to that skin to skin, going back to enjoying your baby, having doing some baby-led attachment. So baby-led attachment is where the baby's actively searching for the breast and latching on themselves. And it's mostly done in a reclined position or um, 
leaning back so your baby's on their tummy um, and that's the really important bit about it that they're on their tummy because then they can use their hands and push their chest their head up do the head bob over and move their head from side to side and they have their stepping and crawling reflex so everything comes alive and this isn't possible if they're on their backs or on their side because it goes against gravity if you think of them like a little turtle yeah i'd say that that's a really important one yeah i love that yeah i think it's it's definitely underestimated and such a um again it's a mindset sort of thing of like shifting that mindset and not trying to like i said not trying to overthink it but if we have that information and that education to understand the mindset to come in with that oh i can create a space for baby to also be participating here and i can create a space where i'm going to optimize um my chance of breastfeeding so in that you touched on such awesome points so thank you for that sorry my brain goes a little bit all over the place because oh, there's so much to talk about <laughs> i know i know it must and because you do education and workshops it must be um tricky to try and pick the key thing yeah. for an hour <laughs> podcast <laughs> but no i think you've touched on some really good points so um why do we love breastfeeding so much <laughs> and why <laughs> it is pretty awesome <laughs> yeah. and why do we want other people to love breastfeeding so a few of the benefits key benefits for bub mum family yeah there's there's a lot of benefits um out there and like you know you were joking before kind of saying you wanted to breastfeed because it was easier than getting up and you know all that extra load of cleaning bottles and stuff and that's definitely real so breastfeeding is convenient when we can just be putting the baby to the breast it's there wherever you go in the car you know out and about you don't have to worry about taking anything with you um it kind of minimizes you know that extra preparation going out the door you you know you've got it you know um which is which is really kind of kind of relieving a little bit of that stress as well you know so that's definitely there but there's huge benefits um and you know and i we wouldn't we shouldn't be surprised because that's how it's naturally being designed so we should not be surprised at the benefits as well but you know for baby there's decreased risk of hospital admissions again um you know decreased risk of ear infections asthma allergies diabetes <laughs> the list is huge eczema um it, a lot of what kids you know uh, can be experiencing in childhood a lot of that is protective from that breastfeeding point of view um, it really does go to protect their health as well um, even other like gastroenterocolitis you know so other inflammation in the gut as well is reduced um, there really is lots um, decreased risk of SIDS as well and breastfeeding can be quite protective um, you know because you're very in tune with your baby your often mums will say oh yeah, I had a letdown. And then like literally a minute later, the baby started stirring. You know, like I joke about this umbilical cord that's still connected in an invisible way, or you might be outside, you know, hanging out the washing. And again, you'll have a letdown, you'll come inside and oh, the baby's awake. You're very connected. And so you're very in tune with what's happening with your baby. When we let our, we rely on our own instincts, you know, to do that. 
So lots of benefits there as well for baby and even for mum, um, reduced risk of, you know, um, hypertension, osteoporosis, different kinds of breast cancers and ovarian cancers, type 2 diabetes, especially um, for women who have gestational diabetes. When we breastfeed, we're helping to reduce the risk of you getting type 2 diabetes again in life, but huge amount, like almost 50%, like it's it's hugely affected um, of mum's health, which is strange to think of it like that because we think we're giving something to our baby and we think, oh, it's just all about the baby. Well, again, like it's about you too. You guys are a partnership. You, you're together. You kind of count it as one really. Um, so lots of benefits there as well. Yeah, that's probably just the tip, but, you know, it purely is magical. And when you look at what's in it, there's like over 300 components that we just know of you know, like we're still discovering. And so when you know that there's proteins and white blood cells and enzymes all, you know, it's a living substance and it changes every time you feed, every week, every season, it's different depending on your baby's needs. And that's awesome in itself, knowing that's, you know, yeah, it's not like a one a one drink fits all kind of thing. It's definitely individual for what you're, yeah, all those antibodies that are alive and it's just, it's brilliant stuff. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's magic. And I love that um, idea or that discovery that there's a feedback between. So if babies picked up, um, been exposed to any viruses or bacteria, there'll be like a saliva feedback to the, through the um, breast and then your body can produce those antibodies, which is just amazing. Um, especially the same for mum. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. So there's that Mm. antibody response within the body. And yeah, I've only more recently, like in the last couple of years doing this work, realized how beneficial it is for mum's health too in the long term. And it makes sense, I guess, because in nature, if mum was going to have a number of babies through her life, well, then you want to preserve that health as well. And obviously then cultures worked out to have high nourishing nutrient dense foods to keep those nutrients up. But then there was that long-term beneficial um, aspect for mum, which is so fantastic when you think about it like that. And yeah. I, is it true? Is it the oligosaccharides that, that yeah. it's mostly made up of? There's some like phenomenal yeah. amount. Yeah, huge. Yeah. And that is yeah. primarily to feed the microbiome of the Yes, baby. yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, huge. Such such big, you know, um, and even, um, you know, yeah. So just it's it just boggles my mind. So even phosphorus, which is in your breast milk, so this helps to stabilize the um, your baby's heart rate, you know, and breathing as well. So it's you know has other benefits. But interestingly, it's been measured higher for mums who have had a premature baby. Again, so your premature baby is going to need some extra support. Re- stabilizing their heart rate and breathing so your body knows again it's just one example that how it changes um your body knows that it's got a baby that's born a bit early so it needs a little bit more phosphorus to you know make it strong and to grow well as well wow amazing (laughs) and like you said we're kind of at the forefront of that research of what i guess traditional cultures have known intuitively and instinctively but we're really like we're getting the details and the understanding of that. That's amazing that the premies, I really love that. 
Yeah, it's, you know, breastfeeding though, as much as we can talk about all the benefits, it's really that immune system foundation building. And that kind of sums it up, you yeah. know, because again, yeah. it's protective against that immune system, but it's actually educating your baby's immune system. What's good, what's bad, because it's born into this world, it's got no idea what kind of bugs are good or bad. And so by breastfeeding, you're actually teaching it what are the good and bad ones, how to feed the good ones. And because then we look at gut health again, which is such a big aspect, but, you know, 70% of our immune system is, you know, affected by our gut health, like, which is a huge amount. And so it, it does matter, you know, so when we can educate and have those foundation stones built in place for that immune system, that takes years to develop for that child, but it really gives them the best start, you know, in the race for life, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it all comes down to immune health and anyone that is a parent or thinking about becoming a parent, you know how immense that thought is when all of a sudden you're holding that baby like, oh, my goodness, I need to keep this baby safe, healthy, yeah. well. <laughs> it's like, ah! yeah. It's like another yeah. way. You can also feel a little bit more confident you're boosting your bub's immune system as bugs are going around. and um, which I guess would be at the forefront of people at the moment with COVID too, especially in the beginning as, um, we really didn't know what was going to happen with COVID. Have, yeah. ha, did your consults change at all with COVID? Did you have to go on? I did not. No, I continued my consults all the way through. I guess, um, in my area in Newcastle too, um, it wasn't like a high risk area, but I just continued. I, you know, I provide screening questions with everyone that I see. And I think it's just common sense guys to, um, you know, if you're unwell, stay at home and rest anyway. Um, and so I just would, I breastfeeding, people still have babies. You guys are still having babies. Babies still need to be breastfeeding. Mum still needs support. The world doesn't stop. And so my services, I see it as very much essential. Um, and so I just continued. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. And I think it's important if you're seeing a lactation consultant, it's going to be optimal if they're there face to face right with you. Um, yeah. Rather than online, although that's yeah a great option if that's, if you're in a high risk area and that's all you can access. But I think having yeah. that personal right there really helps. Um, yeah. I love how COVID has taught people basic hygiene. <laughs> yeah, I know. You can wash your hands. I'm like, oh yep. my goodness, I've been preaching this for years with the flu. Yep. Yeah. It's a common sense. Just wash your hands with soap and water. And especially yep. for new families and new babies, like even more so stay clear, like really practice, <laughs> protect yep. mom and baby. So yeah. But again, yeah. Like, you know, that your body is going to be protecting your baby if you are exposed to anything anyway. And so that's the good that's and right. reassuring about it as well yeah there's been a few women like a bit, bit of a chat about um online about women trying to relactate again with the whole coronavirus so they've stopped breastfeeding and they've decided actually i want to continue because they acknowledge that benefits it gives to baby and so that's also you know yeah other things to consider as well yeah mm, yeah amazing option the relactation um there was something i was going to ask before i jump to the next topic but it's left my mind for a minute it was about COVID oh I read that there was actually maybe improved rates of breastfeeding during COVID I know that there was mm -hmm. less 
possibly less premature. Did you see anything, read anything? I did, yeah, improved rates. And also in the UK, there were studies to say that babies were re, like gaining weight quicker, so regaining their birth weight because usually babies are born and they lose a bit of weight just during that transition because obviously the placenta is not feeding them. They rely on their brown fat while the milk comes in. Um, so they were regaining that weight quicker and then mums were just at home feeding their babies. So it wasn't the whole pressure of going out or having visitors <laughs> interrupting. We're just like, okay, we'll feed the baby. That's, that's what we're going to do. Um, yeah, which is amazing and really positive too. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I love that aspect because it's really reinforcing what um, people like myself talk about. Like, let's look at the wisdom of traditional postpartum care. The mum stayed home most of the time, if not all the time, and was just rested, didn't get up, just sit there and rest and breastfeed, fall in love with baby and be nourished. And it was sort of like a mini experiment to go, see? <laughs> You stay home and just take it much more slowly. You might go for a little walk when you feel ready, but you don't have to stay confined to one room, but you're mostly there and just in that still space. So yeah, I love that that's come from um, silver lining from this whole experience. So before we jump to um, your services and where people can find you, I'd love Mm -hmm. to touch on extended breastfeeding. I know we're both passionate about it. People that follow me might've seen my posts. I'm still breastfeeding. I've been breastfeeding for over six years now. So I breastfed through my pregnancy with my second. Um, and then for three weeks after, I was down to like one feed with my toddler. So it wasn't really much. <laughs> but <laughs> I did get a few photos. I don't know where they are. I've been looking for them. They were fairly blurry of me with two, a toddler and a baby on. It was quite hilarious. Oh, then yeah. Then we just went, I just went to one little baby. And I'm still breastfeeding my three-year-old who tells me she's she just loves the bubble. That's what she calls it. I talked to her. I'm the like, bubble. <laughs> My first one called it bubble because it was booby and then she started calling it bubble and we stuck with that because it's pretty cute. Um, <laughs> you're out in public and they're like one, they're like bubble. It's pretty funny. Like a code word though, isn't it? It's yeah, just yeah. not like booby or something. Like <laughs> That's right. So I've been talking to her about possibly um, stopping. She's like, I love the bubble. So anyway, extended breastfeeding. I know you're passionate about it as well. Yeah. Um, it's, I feel like there's still a bit of taboo around it in this culture. Like once upon a time, it was the norm again. And, but more and more people are discovering the benefits and the joys of it. So I'd love to hear from you about what your, your positives have been experiencing and why, overall you think it's um yeah just such a beautiful option yeah i um i definitely think that i agree there is such a taboo still um we don't we don't you know you don't always see toddlers breastfeeding in public too because to be honest they can breastfeed at home you don't you know it's not like you they're not breastfeeding like newborns that's the thing they don't breastfeed all the time and so that decreases the risk that you're going to see a breastfeeding toddler or a young child um there are there are benefits you know like and so the longer that you breastfeed actually influences those decreased risks of cancer and ovarian cancers for you as a mum too so obviously the longer you breastfeed the better health benefits you're going to get out of that later on and not that it's just about you either but you know we do have to acknowledge those benefits um it's interesting that when we cuz weaning t- really starts as soon as you start introducing solids so from six months usually that's typically kind of we're not called usually people say weaning when we're going to stop breastfeeding but technically weaning's there so our milk changes over the course of you know child's life and it actually when we get to that 
feeding not so often part, you know, once or twice a day, um, it changes. And of course there's less volume, but it changes to be a bit more like colostrum. So if you think of colostrum to be smaller in volume, but really high in protective, like immune protective features, and that's what your milk kind of changes again to be like at that stage of breastfeeding, which is interesting because obviously they're eating food and, you know, drinking water most of the time. And that's the thing. It's not there to actually give them all of the nutritional benefits. It's there again to support that immune system. And so again, when they're unwell, you know, they're getting that feedback from your body, you're supporting their body. And even when, you know, toddlers are unwell, it's so convenient. You know, if they've got maybe just a 24 hour bug or they've got the sniffles or something, they often go off their food and they'll just catch up on breastfeeding and they'll just breastfeed for a couple of days a lot. And then they'll go back to not breastfeeding so often. So that's again, that's how it's, you know, that's intended to be that way. Um, And it's brilliant to be able to be supportive for your child's health that way again. Also, um, yeah, it's interesting too when we look at the global average. So the average length of breastfeeding is actually like four to five years, which is some people think, wow, that's so old, you know. <laughs> um, and that's a global average. And that's so that's looking across women who like there's a lot of there's a lot of families, most of the families like are living, you know, in poverty. When you look at the whole population of the world, we're not all living, eating wonderful, nutritious meals like we think of but your body's able to breastfeed. You are able to continue breastfeeding. And so it doesn't mean that your body's maybe a little bit exhausted sometimes. Like that's why we put the value on nourishing you and your, yourself as well. Um, but your baby gets what they need. Your toddler gets what they need. Um, and there's those benefits as well. So again, you know, a four-year-old is not going to be breastfeeding every two hours. <laughs> um, it might even be days between breastfeeding. Um, but there's obviously, you know, a lot of benefits and it's not just that it's that it's that emotional safe space that they get it's that something's happened i'm upset i'm reconnecting with mum i've got a safe environment okay i'm feeling brave and bold again i'm going to go back out there and have another go at something you know and i when i weaned my son at um 20 i think it was about 21 months um i was a couple of weeks, he was just a busy, busy boy. He cut himself, he on his hand. And I was so devastated that I couldn't use the breast to soothe him. And he, there was like blood everywhere. And I was like trying to bribe him with dark chocolate because it wasn't the same. He didn't even want the chocolate. I was like, seriously, <laughs> like, but I couldn't breastfeed him. And that was my normal go-to, do you know, like, and it was really hard to not be able to do that as well. <laughs> Cause a cuddle sometimes just doesn't cut it. <laughs> um that's the that's just a real story you know um but yeah i think we need to you know there's lots of people that say oh once the babies once they're walking they shouldn't be on the breast anymore but really when you look back at your photos and you look at a 12 month old or a 15 month old they're such babies still you know yes they might be walking but they have babies you know they still depend on everything from you and you wait till you get to a five and a six year old who's totally, you know, really wanting to be Mr. Independent. And you're like, wow, that, you know, so tiny in the, in the, when you, when you look back and look at the whole picture of their, you know, childhood life, it's such a small snippet. And um, I haven't heard anyone say, oh, I wish I weaned my baby earlier, you know, or my toddler earlier. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. I remember doing that. I think especially with your first year, because if you have another baby, if you have a second baby, then all of a sudden your first looks so grown up and old in comparison to the newborn. 
but then often I'll compare, like I'll look at my second and go, oh, I thought my eldest was so grown up and so much bigger at that age. And I look back and think, oh, she was still such a bubba. And um, yeah, it's a really beautiful reflection. I think it's good to share those stories that you, you look back and they just look so young and it's okay to still be breastfeeding them at that age. It's, it's a real beautiful thing. Um, yeah. And actually, you can't, sorry. I was going to say, you just can't, you can't make them. If they, some toddlers oh. decide to wean yeah. too, if they, you know, so there's, you know, weaning from the baby's perspective from that toddler or from maybe mum's made the decision. Okay, no, I've had enough. I'm, and that's okay to make those decisions. You get touched out and you get to that point. And that was for me, for my first, I was like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Like, you know, um, but there's so the different ways and different reasons why you make those choices. But you, if, if it's working for you and your child, then there's no, you do what suits you guys, you know, there's no rules by it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. And I've heard that a few times and been a bit jealous and I'm like, Oh, they just sort of self weaned, completely weaned, like came off completely like oh it's gonna be a bit harder for me and that has been like the challenge for me this is yeah a bit of a personal is that I just it's gonna be hard (laughs) I'm gonna have to go through like either I'll have to go away and leave my youngest or I'm gonna go through some real sleepless nights and there's gonna be some stress there and and then I kind of wake and go do I need to do that now or can I keep going? And then keep going works for me at the moment. And there's been a few times where um, she's had a 24 hour bug and a bit of a fever that comes and goes. And, and I've actually really enjoyed that. It makes me slow down because essentially when your child's unwell, usually you have to slow down anyway. And sometimes you have to cancel commitments depending on your support networks and, and just be at home. And so just being at home, I've been able to sort of just sit there and hold and breastfeeding's a part of that as well when they're unwell. So, yeah. yeah. It's a beautiful break as mums, you know, that's one of the benefits of breastfeeding, do you know, like it gives you a chance to stop. It gives mm-hmm. you a chance to housework aside and go, no, it's okay to sit here for half an hour, an hour. Um, there's been, there's reasons why mums want to breastfeed, do you know? Um, it's very, it, it does put you to sleep. It's designed that way. It's designed to make you feel relaxed and sleepy so that, cause your body needs it. Your body needs a rest. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you enjoy sitting there. Um, I've also looked into a bit of like when you do, um, completely wean that there can be a bit of a, a hormonal shift too so then there can be some um, slight or extreme depending on mum mental health um, challenges that come through because you've been getting this dose of oxytocin throughout and then that shifts and changes so that's another thing to consider I'm looking at now I'm like okay maybe I need to exercise more and do these other <laughs> things to kind of boost the oxytocin when she comes off to kind of level that out a bit. But I love the idea that it's, it is still more protective for mum over that time, especially because I guess in previous generations, women might've had, I don't know, up to 10 kids, but you know, more children, six, yeah. five, six. And now we're having often less one, two, sometimes three, four, you know, less. And so by breastfeeding for longer, we're sort of, giving ourselves more of the protective time that would have happened by having more children. And we give that by having less children. So yeah, I really like that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Emma. It's been amazing and info packed and yeah, I, love, <laughs> I love your vibrant and practical, but informative way of sharing information. It's really beautiful. Kind of, thank um, you. 
kind of sparked even more fire in me for yeah sorry I can't <laughs> I can't put the fire out now <laughs> um which is part of the reason for getting you on so I'd love for you to share with people where they can find you the services and workshops that you offer Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'm in Newcastle. Um, and so I am continue to do my face to face home visit consult. So in your home, um, as that's, you know, that usually works well and you don't need to go anywhere and I can come to you. So, um, and I do, you know, cover it a big area. So I've been down to the central coast or out to Cessnock, or, you know, for people in the area. So, you know, kind of where I go. Um, and then I also do, I have done online ones where, you know, for actually, you know, even up Armadale way and things like that. So people have wanted to, so that's also a possibility as well. But um, I also run workshops, so breastfeeding workshop, and I love doing my workshop. I really have, I'm really excited to just share information, you know, like knowledge is power. And if you can feel empowered in breastfeeding because of the information, you know, that you know, now know after coming to a workshop, I think that's it, you know, like that's what's important and being informed is best. And so when you have all that information, you guys can make, you know, as a couple expecting a baby can make the choices best for you. But I feel like there's such a lack of breastfeeding education out there in society in general. Um, and so, yeah, I'm just, I, it's really important for me to share this. You know, I, it's like, you know, when you find out something good and you just can't sit silent, you've got to share it with people. Like this is, this is that. And so I've actually just extended the workshops. So it was a two hour workshop, but it's now going to be a three hour workshop just because there is actually so much information out there. Um, and I think, yeah. And, and like, it's not just breastfeeding, you know, like it's very much just that transition to parenthood. There's other aspects that come into it as well, which it, it all overlaps. You can't just look at one thing and not everything else. Um, so yeah, I run those workshops um, usually every three to four weeks at the moment, um, but then I'm happy to run them earlier and or sooner, you know, um, if, if, they are, if they're needed. Um, but also I run another workshop um, at the uh, Australian Children's Chiropractic Centre. So um, we're Dr. JC Primer, who's at Warners Bay for anyone down here. And we do a workshop together. And that's really fun as well to do it from my perspective as a lactation consultant and then from a chiropractor's point of view as well. And so looking at the whole neurological function of the infant and baby and breastfeeding and how it really works together. So that's another fun one with just a little bit of a different take on things as well and that's a shorter that's only an hour and a half um as well so they're they're, they're kind of my babies so that's <laughs> that's what i love to do and if there's any concerns um you know or queries or people want to make a time to see me you can email me um at empowered lactation at protonmail.com or you can jump on my website and even send an inquiry through there so that's um empowered lactation with emma.com.au yeah Wonderful. Thank you. And I'll pop all those links up in the show notes. Yeah. A workshop with you would be awesome. Lots of fun. Yeah. Very informative. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. <laughs> thanks so much for your time, Emma. No worries. Thank you so much for having me and hopefully we can cross paths again. Yes. Yes. Hopefully. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that just wanted to jump on and say thanks to everyone who has been supporting and sharing and following so far when I first started the podcast almost two years ago I had no idea where it would lead and I have to say that I have just 
loved the opportunity to chat to interesting people and to contribute to the world of podcasts out there, which was initially my inspiration as a mother. I find podcasts so valuable to be able to tune into interesting adult conversations in the everyday world while you're driving, doing the dishes, whatever that may be. So I would love for you to share any episodes, go back, we've got 30 something episodes now, I've got some exciting news coming soon. Um, so yeah, I'd love for you also to go and sign up to my email list over at pollinationmamas.com, jump on Instagram and Facebook at Pollination Mamas and let me know what your favourite episodes have been and any topics that you might like to hear in the future. Thank you so much. Oh,